Good evening, everybody. This is another edition of Wrestle Podcast, and I have a great special guest who's going to be on here tonight. Um, I got a chance to get to know him for a little bit, and, and we end up becoming good friends as well. Um, I like to welcome Johnny Bad. How's it going, Johnny? What's up, Robin? It's it's going. It's just another day in paradise. We woke up, right? Exactly. Well, let's get let's get down to uh, Kentucky Zone Wrestling. Let's talk about uh, the 12th anniversary show this past uh, weekend. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was uh, it was on fire. It was definitely on fire. I mean, uh, it was a good show, uh, top to bottom. Man, we had a good crowd. Um, had good crowd reactions to uh, every match. I mean. You couldn't ask for a better crowd than we had uh, on the anniversary show. And by the way, the people that missed the show, they missed a really good show. I mean, we had jam-packed card. I mean, it was awesome from top to bottom. I mean, couldn't ask for a better show, really. Hey, that's pretty good. I wish I was there to see that. I mean, because KZW has a great, talented roster as well. And um, let's talk about one person you're not very fond of as well. Let's talk about uh, Bad News Bobby Brown. Oh, hell. Why, why would we even bring him up, dude? I mean, you know, it's like uh, 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 eating popcorn with no teeth or gnawing on a ear of corn with nothing to gnaw with. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how to go about you with Bobby Brown. I, I don't know. Is it bad news? Is it not? I don't, I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, oh man, there's just so much. Yeah, Bobby Brown. <laughs> and also, your thoughts on uh, David Barnabas Specter of Darkness Worldwide? And, uh, huh. Well, you had to bring that ball headed goon up, too, right? Hey, I had to. I wanted to know what your thoughts were. Nah. Really, do you want me to really put some thought into it, really? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, God. Let's see. <laughs> well, you sat there for a moment and you close your eyes. Just close them really, really tight. Okay. Now open them back up. <laughs> they are open now. <laughs> He's gone. He's gone. He is my past. Hey, that's great. Okay, let's... Yeah. Did you see how quick that happened? He disappeared. I mean, you close your eyes. David Barnabas was there. Blink. <laughs> now he's gone. <laughs> I love it. The same as goes with bad news, Bobby Brown. All you got to do is close your eyes and imagine. Just imagine for just a second. Bobby Brown's there. Bobby Brown's gone. No problem. <laughs> Oh, that is awesome! I love it. So, so, how do you, you know, you know, how do you deal with that? You don't. You just go to bed, and go to sleep. And don't worry about it. Oh, that is great. And speaking of Kentucky Zone Wrestling, um, you've um, been with that promotion for a very long time, and you also have that great um, relationship with uh, Dennis Spradling as well. Um, you've guys been in a ring together as well. I mean, you guys got that great chemistry, and you guys work well together um, behind the scenes of Kentucky Zone Wrestling. So, um, how did you and Dennis end up, uh, you know, becoming such great friends? Well, I 
I'll tell you, man. I'll tell you a story <laughs> that happened long ago. Um, we had a friend of a friend of a friend of another friend. You know, that's how wrestling goes, right? You got friends, and you got friends, and then you got other friends that's got friends, and then on top of friends with other friends, and this is how it all started. Anyway, um, we had a guy booking a promotion, uh, another show that ran little independent shows around Kentucky, and Gary uh, Campbell, you ever heard of him? He, he ran shows throughout Kentucky, and he had a booker that had the Doink the Clown gimmick, the real deal, right? Uh-huh. So, so we started using this gimmick, Doink the Clown, and uh, I met Dennis through that, and, and we began to... Uh, me and Dennis worked each other back and forth in matches, you know, do, doing this show for Kerry Campbell. And and uh, I was doing the clown for quite a bit until we had a mishap with WWE. And, uh, of course, WWE ended doing the clown's contract, which therefore WWE owned the gimmick the clown they actually owned that gimmick I mean you know and, and, and we were using that gimmick and uh, of course WWE got a hold of Kentucky Commissioner Tim Gontraman and told Tim says you know we need to stop these guys from using Doink Clown gimmick because we ended Doink's contract therefore we own that name and they're out there using that so that's how I began to know Dennis, and Dennis and I became really good friends. And and over the years, uh, our friendship has really been a, a great bond. I mean, me and Dennis really is close. Uh, a lot of people don't know how close me and Dennis are, but you know we're pretty close. And uh, I rely on him, and he relies on me at every show we do in KZW. And uh, I give advice and. I listen, and you know I'm I'm Dennis's kind of uh, right hand guy. You know he I'm his go to guy if something comes up and there's a problem that we need to solve. Me and him solve it together, and then we have uh, like a round table meeting. You know what I mean? And uh, we try to solve everybody's problems. And being a promoter in Kentucky is like being a babysitter. So. It goes hand in hand, you know. Uh, a promoter's got to be a babysitter, booker, uh, tear wiper, ass wiper, and take me to the bathroom and let me pee, you know, type of person. So I help Dennis in that aspect to keep composure to be able to run his show and run it to the best of its ability, you know what I mean? And, uh, but yeah, me and Dennis and Michelle has really been good friends over the years and I love them to death I mean I really love Dennis as as a true friend and always will uh, even without the business uh, me and Dennis will be friends and that's you don't you hardly ever find that in life anymore especially in the independent wrestling scene you know and uh, I'm glad to have him as a friend really am so I hope I shared a little light on what you was asking. 
Oh, you did. And um, it was great. I remember um, I went to one show and you guys, um, you know, sat down with the roster and was talking about, you know, uh, how, you know, the style of wrestling you're looking for. And and I remember Dennis said this a hundred times, old school, old school, old school, man. And I know that's how he, you know, runs his, you know, shows, you know, old school wrestling and great storylines as well. And then when I was talking to you yesterday, um, we'll we'll talk about in-ring psychology. Do you think that is very very important in uh, making a great storyline and also become and also being a professional wrestler? Let me tell you, I'll tell you, I'll put it this way: you can have the best, basic, nonchalant wrestling skills. In this state, in your state, in any other state. But if you don't have the art and the psychology to back up that basic, then you're failure. You're going to fail. There's there's no way around it. And, and when you talk old school, let me explain old school wrestling to you. Let me explain it to you and my ability and what I know and what I was taught about old school wrestling. So if you walk in a locker room today and you say, well, I'm an old school wrestler, you know, I believe in old school. Uh, I'm a Memphis wrestler. I've always been trained under the Memphis wrestling skill. So, and there's a big difference in independent wrestling and Memphis wrestling. So it, it's kind of a little bit different. It's catch can, if you understand what catch can wrestling is. Um, catch can is a, a martial art type wrestling ability, and uh, Memphis was always set up on that on that type of wrestling. It's catch can wrestling. Uh, a lot of guys never talk about catch can because you know they don't understand it. And Memphis wrestling is catch can wrestling, uh, and uh, that, that's where I was trained in that field was through uh, Memphis wrestling. Um, now, when you talk about old school, old school is is not choreographed. You understand what I'm saying about choreographed? Yes. Uh, uh, old school wrestling is not a choreographed wrestling. It's it's something you do within the squared circle, not from the dressing room to the ring. You do it in the ring. You know, and and that's old school. So if if you say old school wrestling, a lot of guys today think, you know, oh, we better not choreograph this from here to there. We better go out here and do it because this is the only way he knows to wrestle. Do you understand what I'm trying to say about old school? Yeah, I totally do, yes. So <clears throat> when you say old school, uh you're talking about an older guy. Me, personally, I'm 53 years old. So, to me, when you speak old school wrestling, you're going back to my day of starting in wrestling. I am an old school wrestler. You know what I'm saying? I, I came up in the old way. But I've had to adapt and learn new ways to keep up with the younger guys in the generation of wrestling today. So, and, and when you say high fly, you're talking about somebody jumps off top rope and does monkey flips and makes a pure ass out of himself and then gets up and loses. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> it's kind of a toss up. 
old school versus new school. New school is a high fly, uh, real athlete, you know, that does stuff off the top rope and stuff like that. But I'm a down on the mat type wrestler. So, uh, can I do stuff off the top rope? Certainly I can, but do I want to? Nah, not anymore. That's, that's, that's past me. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's way past. And I hope everybody that's listening or is listening, I hope they get the meaning of old school wrestling because to me, when you speak old school wrestling, I'm thinking age wise, not, uh, walk and talk or, not choreographed that's what i take it as just just the age you know what i mean oh i totally agree that's why i asked you that question and about the whole ring psychology and then another question a part of it as well is how come um in today's wrestling it just seems like there's a lot of young wrestlers out there who don't want to do promos they just want to wrestle in matches and not do a promo well because the art of promos is not in them um a lot of young kids today is not reliable enough to sit back and listen to the older generation wrestlers about how to do promos. I know you see a lot of, of what they call promo on uh, Facebook. I don't call a promo. I just I don't call it a promo. I just don't. And, and to me, it's not. Uh, a promo is being in front of the audience. Setting your matches up is a real live promo. So to me, when you go backstage and you're calling it a promo, it's not really a promo. It's just setting up your next event. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I totally agree. know what you're saying, brother. So if you did a, a, a promo, you would do it live in front of your audience, wouldn't you? I think so, too, and that's how you can get that great pop as well. Well, I mean, you got to have the reaction of your fans to back it. And they're in, and if you're doing a behind-the-scene shoot, then it's, it's, not, it's not catching the fan like you want it to. You know what I'm saying? It's not reaching out and grabbing that particular fan to draw them back to that crowd, you know? Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's why I asked you. I totally know that as well. Um, yeah, and that's how... like if me and you were doing behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have that reaction of people to ha- know how to carry on the actual promo. So if, if you was out in front of 150 or 250 people, let's say you, yes, let's just say you was out there in front of people okay you know and they've got your back you know you've got these fans just wrapped around your little finger going yeah just screaming your name you know and you're out there on that microphone you've done a actual promo yep because you've got the reaction you're looking for so if you and you and i went and we done this and we spit it out on facebook would you call it a promo? I uh, no, I wouldn't. I would not. I would uh, call it something else because, like you said earlier, um, it's in front of a live audience. No, I wouldn't call it a promo on Facebook. No. 
that see that's what I try to explain to uh, the kids today, man. They're calling it a promo. It's not a promo. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you was on live TV, live TV, and you had an audience out there in TV land, you know that may possibly buy a ticket. You got to catch this. Possibly buy a ticket. Now, you're taking one of the biggest shots that you can take is putting independent wrestling on TV. You know why? Why? You know why? Of course, your sales at your show would drop, and they would drop tremendously. Really? Well, sure they would. Why would anybody want to go watch a show if they can watch it on TV for nothing? Absolutely nothing just by turning the TV on. Hey, yeah, that's totally true. I see that as well, too. Um, yeah, because if you do that, you just, you won't invest into that company and you um, don't want to really invest because if you don't see it on TV, you'll come back to that next show. It's going, um, since you're invested in some of the wrestlers and the stories, you go, okay, this was good. I want to go back again and see what happens. Well, if you was charging 15 bucks a head at the door to see an independent wrestling show, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you was charging that to see an independent wrestling show, why would you drive from your location two and a half to three hours away when tomorrow night you can watch it on TV? Yeah. You know, and you're not wasting your gas, your time on the road, uh, traffic backups. I mean, this is why it's independent, dude. This is why it's independent. You have independent, independent promoters that put on these shows to make money, to pay money. Without making money, they can't pay money. I totally agree with you as well. And um, speaking of, you were talking about, you know, Memphis, where you learned the style of Memphis wrestling as well. What was some of your uh, memorable moments uh, in Memphis wrestling? The best time I ever had in my life and watching the whole Memphis scene unfold. And, and, and when I was a kid, I'm going to take you back a few years here. You know, it's going to take me a minute to get where I want to be. Okay. And and if you got time, I got time. I'll take you back for a little bit. Okay. When Memphis came into Kentucky, the first show they ever came to was MWA in Knox Knox County. It's a little town, little community called Barbersville, Kentucky, and MWA ran down there in the Knox Central High Gym. So when you're talking Memphis, you're bringing in uh, Jerry Lawler, Bill Dundee, uh, Tracy Smothers. You know, you're bringing all the Memphis guys out of Memphis into Kentucky. And, and when I experienced the real Memphis atmosphere, it was in that little gym at Knox Central High School. I will never forget when they came to town the whole family, I'm talking about my brothers, my sisters, my mom, my family would all go to these shows. And as a little kid, <clears throat> we would get there sometimes before the show actually opened up. And I got to go and put my elbows up on the apron of the ring, you know, and that was the most highlighted thing of my life. And 
and to be sitting in the crowd and see these guys just starting out to accomplish their goals that they accomplished today. You know what I'm saying? They got, they accomplished everything they went after. But to sit in that crowd and watch these guys, it just unfolded so pretty. It was so beautiful, man, to watch this art form, you know, because, and, and a lot of people will make fun of me today because, uh, you know, I can mention I watched Jerry Lawler wrestle when he was really young and, and it's a, so help me God true. I watched Jerry Lawler when he was young. I'm talking about in his twenties. Wrestle at that gym. I seen Bill Dundee when he had really long hair and, and all that shit. You know what I mean? And, and it was, and then I started learning the Memphis wrestling at home with my sister and my brothers and we would wrestle in the house. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I started learning the art of that. Memphis Wrestling, which we had one channel, and every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, we would get to watch Georgia Championship Wrestling. Oh, nice. And we used to watch that, and and I would act the characters out, and one of my favorite, favorite characters was, in that day, was the Hands of Stone, Jimmy Garvin. Okay. That was my hero, you know, and that was the man. That was the man you wanted to follow. And uh, I imitated him. I imitated him throughout my childhood. Um, but I started learning the Memphis wrestling through that and through Smoky Mountain wrestling with my uncle. And uh, Billy Graham uh, would always be there. And uh, he's family as well. And, and Billy Graham would be at Smoky Mountain. And and I got to really sit down and be with these guys, and it was just unforgiving. And uh, when I became 16 years old, uh, I'll never forget, we went to Sammy's Flea Market. Dale Mann ran that show at Sammy's Flea Market. And I would get there early enough, and I would help them pack the ring in and set the ring up down there. And sometimes I would be allowed to get in the ring and hit the ropes a few times and do a little stuff. And that started me out enjoying wrestling. And if a guy, I'm telling you this, and I'm telling you this to be as honest as I can be. If a guy walks up to you and tells you he was just birthed the other night and walked straight into a wrestling ring as a stupid, 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 stupid. They wrestled in the backyard. They wrestled in the house. They wrestled anywhere they could wrestle. That's how they got their start. And you see all these damn uh, posts about these backyarders uh, uh, wrestling. You know what? We all started there. So if, if a man tells me I didn't do no backyard wrestling, he's a damn liar. He's a damn liar. I think every childhood had like Cowboys and Indians. We all played Cowboys and Indians. So you can't sit back here and tell me you didn't do backyard wrestling. I know better. It started somewhere in the home, and it ended up in a wrestling ring and independent wrestling. You see what I'm saying? Oh, I totally agree with you as well. Does any of that make sense to you at all? I, I mean, oh, it does. 
<laughs> it completely does. And uh, especially your uncle as well. He was a wrestler too. Uh, um, you also got to work and trim with your uncle as well. What was it like uh, to work with your uncle in the ring? Total awesome. Totally awesome. He was the most respected guy I ever seen in a locker room. When I was a kid, I would go with him, and he was had the utmost respect in a locker room I ever seen him a lot. Uh, he was just he was just a good natured guy, and but he tried to always kill me. You know, he broke my nose before. Um, he's hurt my arms, my ribs before, and. and left big bruises and handprints on me and my mom would say I'm going to kill him I swear to God he puts his hands on you again I'm going to kill him <laughs> and I would always talk to mom mom you can't do that it's something I want to do and, and and mom would always say you're going to that stupid wrestling aren't you yeah mom that's where I'm going and mom always hated that she really did She she never she liked wrestling, but she didn't want me involved in it at all. And I would go with my uncle all the time. He would always come get me, and we'd head to smoke the mountain. And and a few vineyards around Kentucky that he went to. So yeah, I I I enjoyed my time as a kid. Uh, it was awesome, man. It it was just it was awesome, and 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 I can't in a locker room. And I see all these young kids in the locker room, and and it breaks my heart that I can't share what I know to these young kids because they need to know my era, my era I lived in, my era that I came up in. And I would like to share that stuff with these guys because it's something that made me bigger than I am. You know what I mean? And and it made me bigger. And, and I want to share this with kids today that's in the locker room today with me. You know, and, and I do share my knowledge with these kids. They'll tell you I do. So I, I'm a sharing type guy. I got a big heart. Uh, if they want my advice, I set them down and I give them the best advice that I know. You know, what I came up in, I, gave, I give it to them. So... You know, it's 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 uh it's a rough life. Wrestling is not easy. I mean, there's so many damn sacrifices you do to uh, improve yourself and improve the shows throughout Kentucky. And and I've been everywhere. Hell, I've been to, I've been to uh, Alabama. I've been to Mississippi, Louisiana, uh, Milwaukee, Pennsylvania, uh, Charleston. West Virginia, uh, I've traveled the roads, you know, I've been there. And I would like to see some of these kids that I know make it. I would like to see them make it. It would do my heart good to see some of these kids on TV uh, before I give it up. But nowadays, kids have no respect. Um, Respect is hard to get because they haven't been taught respect. And and when I was coming up in wrestling, that's the first thing you were taught is how to respect your your brothers in the in, in in the locker rooms. You were taught to respect them, you know, because they paved the road for you. And you're gonna pave it for somebody else. So when you don't teach respect 
you might as well not teach nothing. That's my whole logic to this business. If you don't teach respect, you don't need to teach nothing. Hey, that's totally true as well. Um, also, let's talk about how you uh, got your name Johnny Bad and the interesting story with uh, Mark Merrill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark Merrill, him and I had phone conversations. We talked. Um, we had uh, on Messenger off of Facebook. We messaged back and forth. I had chances that I went and I met Mark. Mark's a great guy. I mean, in person, he's one of the absolutely finest guys I ever met. Um, I told him that I had his surname in the independent business in Kentucky. And he said, really? I said, yeah, but I don't use the Johnny B. Bad. I use the Johnny Bad as B-A-D. And he said, well, God bless you. I am so thankful. I have finally met a person that is 53-year-old using a name that made me who I am today. He said, this name humbled me. It made me a better person than I am. But i tell you what humbled me the most in wrestling is benefit shows. Um, I've done a lot of benefit shows over the years, and that has humbled me more than anything. Because when you see the people, the pain in their eyes of losing a loved one or, you know... Uh, mentally challenged you know and 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 if you see the pain in these people's eyes when they talk to you how much that you're greater than you are in their eyes you know what i mean because you went out there and you gave it your all for somebody you didn't even know so mark merrill today goes out to these schools and does these speeches and he does it from his heart and to me, that humbled the real Mark Merrill. That humbled the Mark Merrill I know. That humbled him more than the wrestling did. So, and he blessed me with his surname to use until my death or I just give up wrestling completely. So, and I got that on my Beast Mode On page. It's on there, the little conversation we had about me using the Johnny bad because I set it up. I said, hey, Mark, let's do it on Messenger. This way I have a keepsake that I can keep and so go back and say, hey, Mark Merrill blessed me with the name he used in WWF and WWE and WCW. And he blessed me to have that name. So, yeah, it was, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, that was pretty great. He also flew you out to um, see him as well. You paid your air fly. Yeah, out in Orlando. I sure did. Flew out there to uh, go on a, a, a speech with him. Uh, we did that. I came back home, and and he paid the whole airfare, the whole way there, the whole way back. So, you know, uh, I think Mark Merrill really is humbled himself, and I, I like the man. I, I do. I truly like him. I follow him in wrestling, you know, not just in his real life, but I followed him, his character. I followed his character years, you know, so 
I know you are. I, I can tell. Um, also, you had a uh, one of your favorite feuds of all time, which uh, lasted for eight months, was with a another uh, legend in the ring you uh, dealt with was uh, Bobo Brazil. Yeah, Bobo Brazil and Bobo Brazil Jr. I had my run with both of them guys and was one of the best feuds I'd ever been in in my life. Uh, I learned a lot. You know, and, and that's what I try to teach guys today. If you don't get in a good program with a real good veteran, you know, you're never going to learn this sport. You're never going to learn it until you get in a good, good, solid program that lasts. Um, even Bobo Brazil Jr., I had over a year, a year, program with that man i went everywhere that man went and wrestled him in every show because we were in a big program and it lasted over a year so yeah yeah if if the young guys can get in a good program today i would highly recommend it because it doesn't do nothing but better you Oh, I think so as well. And then one of your other favorite matches we talked about as well is when you got in the ring with uh, Bobby Fulton. <laughs> the Fantastics, man. I'm telling you. I, I grew up watching them guys. Never in my life did I imagine that I would be able to grace the same ring in a match with Bobby Fulton. And it happened, Salyersville, Kentucky. One of the best matches for the old school. So we go to old school now, and you're talking about age. Bobby Fulton, Johnny Bad, finally collided, Salyersville, Kentucky, BCW wrestling. Uh, I'll tell you, never talked to the man, never said a word to the man, walked up to the man, you got me, let's go do it. Went straight out in that ring and put on one hell of a clinic match for me. You know, it was a clinic match to me because, you know, you're talking about the Fantastics. You know, and here I am wrestling one half of them, Bobby Fulton. I would wrestle that man anywhere, uh, anytime. Anytime that he called upon me to work a show with him, I'd be more than glad to go and do it. I, I would absolutely do it in a heartbeat. But there's there's more to my story than Bobby Fulton. Okay. Uh, we go to Handsome Jimmy Valle, the Boogie Woogie Man, Ashland, Kentucky. Um, you know, I've been in the ring with all these big high-fluting wrestling stars. So, I've accomplished everything I've went at in wrestling. I've accomplished it. Uh, I worked my ass off. I busted my ass. I tried to learn every possible thing I could learn about wrestling to be able to do these star wrestlers. And it don't stop there with Handsome Jimmy Valiant. It goes further than that. So, yeah. Yeah. I've had a blast. Yeah, plus you were in the ring with like uh, 
Ricky Morton, Billy Gunn, The Road Dog, Shark Boy, DDP, um, even uh, you know Shane Douglas and Bobby Eaton. Oh yes, oh yes, many a time. Uh, Ricky Morton. Yep, easiest guy I ever ever encountered. I mean, he's just uh, a natural human being. I mean, he's down to earth. And, and traveled with them, wrestled with them. Uh, Bluefield, West Virginia, DDP. Bluefield, West Virginia. Uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Bluefield, West Virginia. Road Dog. Bluefield, West Virginia. Billy Gunn. I've had all the experience that any one man could have. I've had it. I've been there. Oh, I know you have. Um, also, let's talk about you uh, working with and um, knowing Jack Lord as well, who was another great wrestler. Jack Lord, to me, is an awesome human being. Um, I know he has stuff that bounds him to where he's at, but I also know Jack Lord is probably one of the biggest independent guys as far as wrestling, that's been around. I mean, his career speaks for itself. Uh, and Jack has this personality to me that would draw you to want to know him. You know what I mean? You meet these type of people that want to know. You really want to dig down deep in the backbone and see what they're about. You know, and Jack Lord to me is one of them type of guys that you really want to know. And, and and I take him that way. So yeah, he's 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 a big independent hero. So yeah, yeah, I, I got a lot of respect for them guys. I really do. Yeah, Jack Lord's a great guy. Um, I had him recently on my podcast as well, and he had a lot of great stories to tell as well. And you know, I totally agree with you about Jack. He knows his stuff. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. If you want to pick the mind of. Um, you're talking picking the mind of veterans. Let's, let's go back to, I'll tell you another, I'll tell you another okay. veteran. I'll tell you another veteran that I was in the ring with. And you probably hear to the man, and if you don't, you don't know Kentucky wrestling, my friend. Okay. And it, it's no other than Doug Bynes. Yeah, I've heard of him. I've never got to actually see him in a ring, but I've heard that name several times from different indie wrestlers I've talked to and interviewed. Listen, listen, I've picked his mind. I've had the privilege of being in the ring with him. I've wrestled him. Uh, I picked his mind. A man can walk out. <laughs> you want to find this funny, but it's true. And he can walk out. In a ring with nothing, absolutely nothing, no gimmicks, no nothing, and pretend he has a gimmick in his trunks, and so help me God, he tears the fan base to hell and back. Because he is the type of magic guy, you know, that works the magic in the ring. And them's the type of guys that young guys need to pick their brains, man. They really need to. They really need to pick them guys' brains, because... There is no Doug Vines left no more. Uh, there's no Jack Lords left no more. Um, 
there's none of these guys left anymore. And and there's no Dale Mans. There's no Danny Fargo's. There, there's none of these guys left anymore. And, and and when you meet one of these guys and actually get to know one of these guys, pick their brains, man, because they have knowledge out the ass that can teach you anything. Oh, I them, the of, them is the type of guys you really want to know. Oh, I totally believe it as well. And, you know, I'm not a, a professional wrestler either, but I like to um, talk to you all the time and pick your brain. And some of the stuff you've t- um, really told me has really opened up um, my eyes and certain things of the business as well. Well, I appreciate that, Robin. I mean, you know, that's what, that's what a veteran's about. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to critique this little podcast. You know, they're going to talk shit, but... You know what, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if I'm the only person a person's got to pick at, they ain't got nothing to do. They have nothing to do, my friend. Oh, I totally I totally believe it as well. And let's talk about your thoughts on Raven in that locker room fight. That was in Corbin, Kentucky. That was down in Corbin. I had took my ring my PA system, I had set up a wrestling, a whole entire wrestling venue. And Raven was booked on the show. So, I have nothing for Raven. And I'm not going to hide that. I didn't hide it from Raven. You know, even even face to face, I didn't hide it from him. Uh, I have nothing for the guy. and But, Here's another thing, his attitude, his attitude toward independent wrestlers, man, is just, is just bullshit, you know? I mean, he act like we were the pieces of shit that he forgot about, you know? And, and Raven is the type of guy, and I don't give a damn if he hears this, cause I would tell the son of a bitch in person, I have nothing for the man. I don't want to talk to him. I would never book him on my show. A lot of guys got along with Raven. I'm just one of them guys that didn't. I spent $1,700 out of my pocket to put a nice, nice canvas on my ring. That would look good for the people to see. You know, a nice ring. This son of a bitch wants to grab a chair, go out there and throw it as high as he can throw it and let it land in my ring to tear my canvas. I looked at him and I said, no, that's my fucking ring. That's my shit. You know, I work every day. I pay for this shit out of my pocket. You, you don't have to pay for this shit. I do. I work hard for my money. It's not handed to me. And you're not going to go out here and tear my shit up. But you know what the thing about really pissed me off about Raven? What's that? That really really pissed me off about Raven. He went in a corner in the locker room like a little two-year-old baby and pouted the whole night long because something wasn't this or something wasn't that. He said in his own little world, texted on his little cell phone, ignored every independent wrestler in that building. I told him, 
I'm the motherfucker that's going to pay you. Uh, this money that you're getting is coming out of me. So I suggest you get along with all these other wrestlers in here. Whether they're at your standards or not at your standards, I don't really care. But you get along with them. Because you know why? They watched you on TV. These people watched you on TV. And I'll tell you another something, Raven, while we're on the subject. I have the same crowd out there paid to watch this wrestling as if you wasn't here. So you didn't bring me no money. You didn't make me any more money by having you on the show. And then you come down here and treat these wrestlers like pure shit. These are my guys that I booked to wrestle on this show. And you treat them like shit. I don't appreciate that. And I didn't. I didn't appreciate it. So if if an independent guy out there is listening to this podcast that thinks Johnny Bass didn't have the... You're far from the truth. I've always had the independent guys back. Always. Because I thought, I thought that's what we were supposed to do. And, and that's what I trained. And that's what was beat into my head. We look out for each other. We don't cut each other's back. We don't stab. We don't talk bad about each other. But you know what? That's far from the truth. That is far, far from the truth. I have no friends that I can actually call friends since at that point in that time. The only friend I had, I lost. And that was my best friend in the world, was my mother. And that's the only friend I ever had, was her. So I'm very, very careful about who I call brother, but I, I use it loosely, you know what I mean? I use brother loosely. Yeah. Couldn't do that because nobody has your back anymore you know it's just not the old school tradition anymore the old school is gone you know back in old school wrestling friends were friends and brothers were brothers nowadays there's not any of that you know for a ten dollar PO more than you made yesterday I'm a nobody you know what I mean? I'm not even existing. It's 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 about the ten dollar more payo that we can get. Mm-hmm. It's not about brotherhood no more, friendship. It's not about that. Oh, I believe it as well. And also, um, besides wrestling as well, you are also a police officer. Yeah, yeah, sure am. Oh. Uh, I've done some other law work years ago, but I won't talk about that. But I will talk about from January up to date. Uh, I'm an elected official and uh, been doing classes, uh, getting more training. And one time you asked me, and I remember this very well. Okay. We were talking on a Sunday morning. And you asked me one time, you said, Johnny. Is law enforcement training same as wrestling training? And I think we touched on that a little bit, right? Yeah, we did. You explained uh, you explained it to me where I fully understand where you were going with it as well. Yeah. Yeah, so 
you know, you take police officer work is totally different than wrestling. Um, you know, uh, it, it's just a totally different game, and and it, it's a tougher game. Being a police officer is a hell of a lot tougher than a wrestler. You know, yeah, because you got to be you got to be so so. You can't be. I can't be Johnny Bad, you know what I mean? I gotta be so so. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the public eye, you're more than you are. Uh, you've gotta watch your P's and Q's. Um, it, there's so much can go wrong in so less seconds than in law enforcement that so much can go wrong in 15 minutes in a wrestling match you can cover up. You know what I mean? You can cover yeah. up and move right on like it didn't happen. But then in law enforcement, there's no cover-up. You can't cover up your mistakes. So the training you do as law enforcement is totally different from what you do in wrestling. In law enforcement, you can't make no mistakes to cover up. So, uh, yeah, there's difference there. And I've been in law enforcement now uh, since January of 2019 to date. I've arrested a lot of DUIs. I've pulled a lot of people over. So, yeah, yeah. It's not as fun as being in a wrestling ring. Oh, I bet. So, where can it... My bloodline is in wrestling, really. Oh, yeah. Um, and there was another question um, we talked to because I talked to you all the time. Um, I remember one conversation I asked you. I, um, I went up to you and said, Johnny, um, have you ever thought about, you know, finally uh, retiring? Yeah. I don't know in independent if you retire, actually. I don't know if you can call it retirement because, <laughs> you know, Online of starving to death and uh, having something need on the table, you know, retirement out of independent wrestling, you have no income that you can support yourself from. So, I think instead of calling it retirement, you just walk away and disappear. You mean like hang, hang your boots up and just disappear? Just disappear. I, I think that's what you do in independent wrestling. You just disappear. You know, you're gone from the equation. And and I know a lot of guys that actually maybe a year or so older than I that I've never seen in the ring in years because they just disappear. They just, it's gone, it's over. And listen, I think in independent wrestling, it's the fans that will say, wonder what happened to Johnny Bad. <laughs> we haven't seen Johnny Bad. Wonder what happened to him. Johnny Bad just disappeared. <laughs> and that's what we do. We just disappear. Oh, I can see that as well. So where can everybody find you on social media? Mostly on Facebook. Instagram, but I very rarely even look at Instagram. Uh, <laughs> and Facebook anymore is just nothing but pure drama, dude. <laughs> it pure is. Pure drama. Oh, I totally agree. You see all kinds of it, and you're like, 
I don't want to read this. I don't want to hear about it. And it's like, why? <laughs> but if anybody wants to look me up, they can go on Facebook and look up Johnny Ray Rice, and bam, there I am. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there I am. Yes, sir. All right. Hey, uh, Johnny, uh, thank you so much. Uh, oh, I've, seen, I've seen your uh, interview with uh, Brian Beach. Yeah, what you what were your thoughts of it? I um, interviewed uh, Bad Attitude Brian Beach with uh, his manager uh, Ripper Blackheart. Yeah, I seen. I, I watched that interview. That was pretty good. That was good, man. That was, that was real good. Uh, you know what advice I would give you? Go ahead, brother. Always stay ahead. Mm-hmm. Don't ever be behind. Always stay ahead. You know, and uh, it would be like. Uh, you got 10,000 questions, but you only ask one. You know what I mean? Try to stay ahead of the guy that you're interviewing. Just yeah. Try to stay ahead of that person, you know, and eventually you're going to get yourself over the hump of knowing how to interview. You know what I'm saying? You'll get there on your own. Oh, I totally just stay, just stay ahead of the game. That's all you got to do. Oh, I totally agree with you as well. You know, uh, for a guy like uh, Bad Attitude Brian Beach, you know, um, it's really hard to, you know, like like you said, you should step behind him. But when once he gets going, he gets going. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and his chops in the ring when he chops somebody. You can hear it all the way around the whole arena, and you can like feel it that you were being chopped by him. <laughs> well, you can ask a few guys around that I've laid the chop down on, and they'll tell you that my chops will peel your skin uh, if I want them to. But I try to not lay it as deep and as hard, you know. Yeah. As they did back in the old days. I mean, back in the old days, they was caving your chest in, you know. <laughs> oh, and if, yeah. and if they weren't, if they were not chopping your chest in, they was stomping it in. So <laughs> either way, your chest was going to get caved in. So you know, you bite the bullet and go. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of, you know, KZW as well. You you go there before the shows as well and train some of the, you know, wrestlers there as well. So of all the, um, you know, wrestlers over at KZW you worked with, who was um, your um, one that you really enjoyed, you know, training and he learned from you, and you can see him in the near future making a name for himself. That's kind of a hard, hard question. Uh, I've helped so many guys that came through KZW. And that right there is probably is one of my hardest questions that I probably don't have an answer to. Uh, if I picked one guy that I really thought would push it as far as he could go. And I really believed in the boy. Uh, and I really believed that he would push his way through with Austin Harness. I, I really believed in the boy that he was going to go somewhere. And maybe he still will. He's at that age where he could probably still go somewhere. But Austin Harness really believes 
in that kid. Uh, I honestly believed in that boy. You know, I gave him advice and advice and worked with him in the ring and worked with him in the ring and gave him advice and worked with him and gave him more advice and worked with him that much more. And he really picked up the art really quick. And I, honest to God, thought he would go somewhere. I really did. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, he's still doing independent shows. So, you know, we'll see in the future someday. Uh, I think all your big promotions now that they have a cutoff is like, uh, 27 years old to 30 year old. They have a cutoff or they don't want to use you, mm-hmm. uh, above that age. Yeah. So I recommend that anybody has any talent that is below 25, but above 20, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. To have a shot, they probably ought to start pulling punches and trying to make it because they do have a cutoff to where they don't want you anymore. And the cutoff is 27 to 30. But you better be on top of your game from 27 to 30 to even make it in a door. You know, so I totally believe it. Um, another question I'm going to ask you as well um, is Crutch. Um, have you ever seen what was inside Crutch's hat? He has so much interesting stuff that comes out of there. Have you ever looked inside his hat? Well, you know what? You know what's going to surprise me the most? What would surprise me the most that'll come out of that hat won't be a damn rabbit. It's going to be a naked woman. I looked for one time for him to pull a whole naked woman or a blow-up hat. <laughs> That'd be priceless. Oh, um, we have a question from a listener, uh, Debbie Herman. And uh, she said she totally agrees about uh, Austin Harness. Uh, he's a fantastic wrestler, and she says you've done great with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people seen how how he worked. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, thank you for um, asking that question, uh, you know, Debbie, and thank you for listening as well. But, yeah... Th- that's just great. Okay, another. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like KZW. I mean, just has so much great talent. Um, like Crutch. That's why I was to ask you what was in his hat, and I'm hoping for to see a naked lady come out of there as well. As well. <laughs> so, uh, what's your thoughts about the Chris Rose? All right, my thoughts of the Chris Rose. Huh. <laughs> The man has some talent. And believe me, I'm going to retire when Crutch pulls this naked woman out of the hat. I'll retire then. But anyway, back to D. Chris Rose. <laughs> he is talented beyond what he thinks he is. He's got some good talent about him. Uh, and you know what? And, and I'm going to say this, and it's going to break every rule in the book. Okay. <laughs> but I have to say what I got to say, because if I think it, I say it, and and I say what I really mean. Uh, that boy has the utmost respect I have ever seen in a guy. In that locker room, he is a totally different person. 
He's humble. Uh, he's a good guy. And I respect the hell out of him to be a young guy. I respect the hell out of him. But let me, let me throw somebody else out there for you. Okay. I had a cage match at the last Cage Fury show uh-huh. with, with Ross Beret. Um, you know, I can't forget him because I had so many matches with this boy. So many. And the cage match that him and I, and I've got it on Facebook, it's one of the best cage matches I've ever been in, uh, was against Ross Beret. Uh, I can't leave him out because I highly, highly respect that boy. He's humble. He's got what it takes. He's just got to get the right connection. And I hope one day and he gets that connection and gets to shoot at the stars. So, and I hope he gets that. I really do. I mean, I would like to see that kid go where I've been, you know, and go further than I'll ever go. I would like to see that. And I would like to see Ross Bray be that guy to do that. Hey, that's awesome. When you win, when you win my respect, you win everything. And them guys, let's go back to Chris Sterling. You know, let's even go back to him. Awesome guy. I mean, awesome. He has, he's talented beyond his talent. You know, he, he's just got to recognize himself more than he does. He's got talent out the ass. Uh, so let's let's go to a few other guys. Let's let's do a shout out to uh, Kuiper. Let's do a shout out to him. Talented, talented. I just think he's on the wrong road. I think he needs to get his gears in order, his mind and his focus more on the business and and I think if he ever focused on the business that boy will go somewhere because you can teach him anything and he picks it up so fast um I think he'll go places but he's got to get focused he's he's so far out of focus on his talent level that he needs to focus on himself focus on the business and be the best he can be. Hey, that's all. Crutch. Let's go back to Crutch. Let's give Crutch a shout out. Okay. Uh, Crutch is trying to live this fantasy of Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp and Crutch are two different people. Uh, Johnny Depp's on a different level than Crutch will ever be. Uh-huh. But if he focused on Crutch, his gimmick, he's got an awesome, awesome look, an awesome gimmick. He's an awesome wrestler. And I'm not trying to take anything away from any guy there. I'm really not. Yeah. But I'm trying to help these younger guys go somewhere where I didn't get to go. Uh, do things I didn't get to do. And and I would love to be able to be the one to push them in that direction. But if they don't focus on the task at hand, 
they'll lose that focus and never get it back. And and I think that's where Kuiper's at. I think Kuiper's there. I think his focus is completely gone. And he's not a leader. He's a follower. And And I've always said this, and I'll say it again. You train to be a leader. You don't train to be a follower. Does that make sense to you? Oh, yes, it does. You don't go out there. You don't go out there and bust your ass, show after show after show to be a follower. No, you don't. You have, a, you have to be a leader somewhere. Yep, I totally agree. Um, that's the same thing in podcasting as well. What you just said is in pro wrestling. Because I'm always humping and you know uh, hustling, you know, to get a lot of guests I can. I've, I, I mean, I've interviewed over 310, you know, <laughs> wrestlers and stuff. And you know, you always have to end up coming up with something new and different than from any other podcasters. And you got to be a leader. You can't be a follower. And you got to, you know, hustle your ass out there, just like how pro wrestlers do. So. Well, you can't be a follower. Nope. To lead. To lead the independent wrestling to the years it's not been, you have to be a leader. You don't train and bust your ass daily after show after show to be somebody's guinea pig. Yep. You have to be a leader, you know, and if you don't get that leader mentality about you and get that self-esteem going, get that focus on the right path, you're fail. You're going to fail. Oh, I totally, I totally agree. Sometimes your failure, you don't come back from. You know, you just don't come back from that failure. And when it's that big of a failure, you usually don't come back to it. Oh, I totally. Thing is, stay focused. Listen, keep your mouth shut, and learn. Yeah. Oh, and I once said, I once said one time, uh. If you don't like me, I don't like you either. Yep. And that's the mentality you've got to have in dealing with public and people. That's the mentality you've got to have. If you don't like me, I certainly don't like you. So we're even on that part. <laughs> I think so. And I remember you saying that in the back locker room, you know, to some of the wrestlers as well. I remember that. I was standing right there when you said that. And I was just like, yeah. well, I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, damn. Oh. Growing up, Mama said, Mama always told us kids growing up, she said, if they kill you, they can't eat you. You know, Mama always said that. They might beat you up. They can kill you, but they're not going to eat you. But you know what? In California, in Hollywood, California, Jeffrey Dahmer come along and that son of a bitch eat everybody killed. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> So, you know, it's like drinking milk with fish, you know. <laughs> and what what's the uh, what's the losing proposition of this, you know? <laughs> exactly. Didn't Jeffrey Dahmer come along and kill every, eat everybody killed? <laughs> I know. That's crazy. Oh, I'm so I, I, I would go ask mom, mom, <laughs> you hear the Jeffrey Dahmer? You told me they could kill me but they couldn't eat me. Jeffrey Dahmer eat everyone he killed. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yeah. 
Hey, man, I enjoyed the podcast. It's awesome. Yeah. Hey, you know something? Thank you for taking um, your time out of your busy schedule to come on. And, you know, and, you know, you're, you're a great guy. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're, you know, getting to become, you know, pretty good friends as well. I mean, I've always enjoyed our conversations and always enjoyed seeing you every time I get a chance. Hey, there's a million more conversations left, brother. This this is not the last one. You oh, know, there's going to be more. Oh, I definitely, I'm definitely going to have you back on the show again because I know you have more stories to share as well and funny stories too. <laughs> oh, I have a bunch, man. There's so many, you know. And okay, I was on myself, but <laughs> oh. we'll keep that a secret. Exactly. But before we go off, one last question. Let's talk about the history of your uh, suitcase where you carry all your gear around in. Man, that damn suitcase is older than uh, dirt. <laughs> you know, it's been in, it's been kicked in the mud. It's been abused. It's been walked on. It's been stepped on. Hell, it's it's older than half of the rifles that's in the locker room today. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I know. I, I I looked at that and I go, man, that looks like it's going to get ready to die. <laughs> hey, hey, whoa, listen. <laughs> that is my most valuable companion on the road. Oh, I know. That is my go-to. That is my underwear. <laughs> that is my work gear house. That thing has been in more locker rooms than probably you've done podcasts. Oh, I, I, you know something, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> that, this, that son of a bitch has been with me coming home in winter storms that I didn't think I was going to make it home. But no, I would pull him away. And the first thing I would do is go back there and get my companion out and come in the house. Hey, hey, that's awesome. I'll tell you another thing I'd like to see. <laughs> What's that? Not smell, and that's a lot of damn dirty gear, man. It's so simple to pull that gear bag out of that car, take that shit in there and wash it, and it smell really good for the fans, you know? They like that good smell. <laughs> they don't... You know, I keep my shit clean, dude. I bet you do. My my wrestling gear bag is just as clean as my house. So I don't go with a dirty house, and I'm certainly not going to go with a dirty wrestling bag, brother. But listen, that, that damn bag is filthy, dude. It's got more tails to tell than... We can never imagine. It's heard so much shit, you know? All right. And like I said, thank you so much for coming on, Johnny Bad. Hey, man, appreciate you having me. I mean, you know, we've been working up to this for how long now? Uh, uh, forever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we are. We're doing the damn thing. Right? It's about time. I mean... We keep on trying to uh, um, get you on and all that, but we keep on like you know having other conversations and stuff, and not really mention the podcast. <laughs> That's what two friends do, man. Exactly. We enjoy conversations. We don't worry about a podcast. Exactly, brother. And like I said, thank you so much, and I very appreciate it. So. <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate you all the way, dude. Just right. get rid of Bobby Brown. And uh, Barnabas, 
uh, whatever he is, darkness of light and light of darkness and carries a damn cane. I don't fucking know. I, I one of these times I'm going to see you grab his cane and um, beat the living crap out of him. That would be cool. <laughs> the Rock says. The Rock says. <laughs> You turn that son bitch sideways and you shove it right up his candy ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> All right, brother. I appreciate you having me on here. Really do. I, I hope we get to do it again one day. Oh, we will. And everybody else, uh, thank you for listening to Wrestle Podcast. Good night. Good night.